It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, now that I completely butchered that transition, let's jump back into the questions and comments, Jeffrey. Debbie Brown is in the feeds today. We like Debbie. There's a little typo in here. I will correct it on reading. Uh, She says she watched an interview with Nick Crawl on YouTube, and Nick Crawl said that Tyler Stevenson wasn't going to catch every day, that uh, they wanted to save his knees. Yeah, Jeff and I have been kind of talking about this, uh, and we haven't – you know, we probably need to just do a whole episode, Jeff, on the overhaul of the catcher position and, and all of the ways why we think it's better, not just, you know, a segment here and there. But that being said, uh, the Reds have truly uh, gone in on making the catcher group and nobody has come up with a good name for that that collection of, of people yeah. yet. But they truly have gone all in on creating a situation where Tyler can move around a bit. You know, when he was here, when we talked to him and if you didn't see that interview make sure you jump back into the archives and listen to our conversation with Tyler Stevenson, he said he wants to catch 120 games. That's the number. That's the, that's where he feels he can catch and be healthy and it not wear down his legs and not have a negative impact on his offense. That's the question I ask him. How many games can you catch and it not have a negative impact on your hitting and your legs? He said 120 that still leaves, you know, 40 games. And I don't think they're going to let him catch 120. I think Mm -hmm. if he catches somewhere between 90 and hundred games, Kurt Casale is going to get the rest of the heavy lifting behind the plate. You've got, uh, Miley, 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 Miley. You've got that guy, Miley. You see, I've I've messed with it it so much, Jeff. You say it right. No, but here's the thing. I've played with the name so much now that I don't remember which one's correct. So it's just (laughs) that guy. That guy is also going to be on the team. They're going to carry three catchers. And to carry three catchers, it's because they fully expect Tyler Stevenson to be playing a lot of other places. So I think 90 to 100 games for Tyler Stevenson. I think Kurt Casale carries the bulk of the rest of it behind the plate. And then you've got Maley as your guy that can come in uh, late inning swaps can come in, you know, catch a day game after a night game, you've got him to fill that role. And, and on paper, I mean, they've got to go out and perform, but on paper, the catching group for offensive production is in much better shape than it was last season where I think you and I could have probably put up the same numbers that some of the guys that caught for this team did. No, I, I firmly agree with you there, but this is what this interview tells me. And there's been multiple quotes that have told me this as well, but uh, we like to joke, but I think it's real. I think Nick Crawl listens to us because we've been saying this since the season ended. We've been saying this since Tyler Stevenson got hurt, that they need to bring him help. They need to bring depth to the catching position and they need to find other opportunities for him to get his bat in the lineup, but to move him out from behind the plate. Nick crawl is basically saying exactly what we have been saying for the last six months. 
This, this is true. And, and listen, what we learned at Reds Fest is that <laughs> Phil Castellini knows who we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he, Phil he, Castellini he knows who Scott Campbell is See, now, too, looked, by the way. I, I think he, like, saw you. He looked at you and he did a double take. Because, like, when he looked at us, he did a double take. But I kind of noticed his eyes were off center where well, I was he, looking. He glared at I me. I think he was. He, yeah, he was looking. He, yeah. he glared at me. <laughs> like, I, I think if, if he doesn't if he doesn't listen, someone told him about the SOB bit. I guarantee you. <laughs> the look that yeah. I got from that man was a person that knew I had been talking smack about him. So, yeah. And and I and then and then you know Ken was with us. Our, our buddy Obscure X Reds was also with us. And I said to I'm like, did you see that? And it marked. wasn't just me imagining it. Everybody was like, yeah, we saw that. So, but no, yeah. like regardless, so, so like shout this out to is, Phil. Hey Phil, thanks yeah. for listening, Phil. Regardless, oh this is just another like just ah, love what Nick Crawl has done this offseason. Just a Absolutely. beautiful understanding of what he needed to do with this roster. Calvin says, do we think the Reds could go to a platoon, basically, is what he's asking here. Could they split at bats based on right-handed, left-handed pitchers at first base if Joey struggles? Um, you know, we've talked about that eventually. Eventually, he brings Father up a Time, good point. Yeah. It, it is. Father Time's eventually going to catch up with Joey Votto, and they're going to have to play the splits. If yeah. they Overall, were changing. Right yeah, well, I, I thought this was going to be the year. Uh, yeah. looking at the trajectory, I thought 2023 would probably be about the time they would have to really seriously consider platooning Joey Votto at first base. The whole shift thing gives me a little bit of pause just to see how Joey Votto works on defeating it. You know, we just said, we don't think it's going to be a big game changer as far as major yeah. league baseball as a whole, but you know, I think Joey Votto might be one of the guys that finds a way to take advantage of it. So I think the answer to this in my mind, Calvin is it depends. It depends on how Joey does with that adjustment, but but yes, point well taken. Uh, there's going to come a day here pretty quick where they got a platoon first base. Calvin brings up a really good point because we we talk about how Joey Votto is trying to fight back against Father Time. You know, he gets the power numbers back. He's he's still pretty good with his eye at the plate and different things like that. But the one thing that he has not fixed, and I don't think he will, is his numbers against left-handed pitching have just gone down the drain he is very bad against left-handed pitching he, he is on base numbers really aren't even that good he doesn't draw that many walks he does strike out a lot more at this point in his career so i think he's definitely got a point and the beautiful thing is tyler stevenson is right-handed and mashes left-handed pitching i don't think it would be a straight platoon there you'd be working other right-handed hitters in uh, Spencer Steer, depending on if there's if there's somebody that can play third base, Spencer Steer might move over to first for a little bit. Up uh, midway, you know, maybe June, July-ish or whatever, maybe we see Christian Encarnacion Strand come up and then he gets some time at first base to kind of platoon a little bit with Joey. But I do think that there is some merit where in years past, I would say, no, Joey can hit anything. He's fine. He's, he's going to be all right. Now I look at the numbers and there's a big enough sample size to corroborate the fact that Joey just doesn't hit left-handed pitching anymore. And, and when you say not a straight platoon, you can straight platoon Votto, but the right-handed partner is not a straight platoon. I get what you're right. saying that you're going to change. You're going to interchange the right-handed partner. I gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Seth weighs in on Johnny Coito. Uh, he thinks Johnny's not signing with the reds. He thinks that it would go against what Nick crawl has said and that it doesn't fit the model that the reds have committed to. Uh, he thinks the bullpen needs help. Those are great points. Uh, it doesn't fit with the model. Uh, it does go against what Nick Crow has said about the money. Uh, he said, and really, I mean, what Nick said is they would have to get creative. 
So, I mean, that means there was, he left himself an out if they do go do something. It doesn't fit the model. That part is absolutely correct, Seth. It doesn't fit the model of building through the youth, but the Reds need a starter. They need somebody else to kind of fill out this rotation. So, uh, in that regard, as long as it's not a three-year deal, if it's a one-year deal, a Band-Aid signing, uh, that fits yeah. the model. That still yeah. allows you to bring guys up and do things, but it, it you're not trading away prospects. You're not committing to a guy for multiple years, taking away resources. It's, it's a Band-Aid PR move. So in that regard, yeah, the bullpen needs help. My God, does the bullpen need help? Uh, yeah, but so. I mean, they need help in that there's no guarantees out there. As you know, Jeff and I, as you and I discussed, if there's a lot of ifs and, and, and yeah. if a majority of those ifs are the guys we think they're going to be, the bullpen's not as bad as it was last year. But there's a lot of a lot of what if going on out there in the bullpen. I kind of think that's why. And this is where, you know, we, we there's different areas of this team where we give Nick Crawl credit because there was a plan, because he put a nice strategy in place. And then there's other areas of this team that they still kind of seem like they're going on hope. And I feel like the bullpen is still a hope area. They're still hoping that a lot of those hurt guys that we didn't see very much last year come back. And then they will, you know, do one of those things where they say, well, see, it was basically like we did go acquire a veteran bullpen arm because I think they would have done it by now if they weren't doing that, because you see guys like Brad Boxberger, I think Brad Boxberger signed for like $3 million a year. And Boxberger is a pretty decent relief pitcher. And I thought maybe that would be a guy that the Reds would kind of kick the tires on. And if, if you're telling me the Reds aren't going to spend $3 million on a reliever, then they're just not going to sign a reliever. So I, I wonder if we see a major league signing for the bullpen because they're leaning on hope. For that to be a strategy but you, you said it right with the model like one-year deals are, are all they're looking at right now I, mm -hmm. I don't think he's gonna upset the model at all with that you know in regards to bullpen help where i see it coming from is uh during spring training cuts i could see them going out mm -hmm. and finding somebody that gets let go from another organization bring them in on a minor league invite incentive laden major league deal and if they come and pitch good and make the team, they'll get paid and they can get paid if they perform well. Uh, I think those are the, you know, Nick talked about being creative. That's creative. That's how you get guys in that, you know, you may end up still paying them the $3 million, but they're by God going to earn the $3 million because you're going to put them on incentive contracts after they got cut by somebody else. I could right. see that working. I, I don't think, and, and listen, I don't think that's a bad plan. We're talking about a team in 2023 that's still not quite ready for prime time. Uh, they can stumble into relevancy. I, I agree with that. I agree that they could win 65 to 70 games max and that they could be in the conversation for, you know, the final wild card spot in September, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to win 75 games. Uh, it would be a creative way for Nick crawl to, to move and shake and get things done. Yes, let's see. Yes, Heath Hembry is available. So, oh my God, let's see. <laughs> it's Jeff Hoffman. That's who they're signing. I have the emergency episode planned for you. Don't you worry. Seth agrees with me for once. He that. says, by the way, I agree with Steve for once. Thanks, Seth. Uh, Lodolo is the opening day starter. Hunter Green, ace number two. I do like that one. Yeah, I mean, I. Look, I, I still think that Hunter Green's the more marketable of the two, but I would agree at this point in their career, I think Lodolo is ahead of Green. I still think Green has far more upside 
that Nick Lodolo has. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Not to say Nick oh, Lodolo yeah. doesn't have high upside. I think they both have high upside. It's just Greens is the freaking universe, like way out there. Let, and and let me say, I, I appreciate these guys in the comments. Seth's given me a lot of gas today, and that's fine because I, I, I poked at him. So I, I absolutely deserve it. But, you know, I love the guys in the comments that you can tell are just like dedicated everyday listeners that 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 know our running bits and know the guys that drive me crazy. And so Seth, I'm going to put this up because it's the guy that hits me every time that my all time favorite red is Taylor Motter. You know what? I wonder if Ken has a modern Jersey. If he does, I'm going to borrow it. I'm going to wear it at great American ballpark next season. Would not be surprised. (laughs) I, I, I do. I don't know. I do kind of want to address um, some of these comments. I just kind of, yeah, if you find bit. some that I've skipped, there's there's some that I just absolutely can't get into. A poofy haired fancy boy is the leader in that category, <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll I'll do this one from poofy haired. You know, they could have Coito ride in on a horse. You know, talk about an entrance, right? Just have him come trotting out there on the white stallion and jump off on the mound. I could see that being a. I think um, I I I really do like this one. It's kind of tough, you know the unknown player that's going to step up for us. Um, I don't necessarily know that you would call him unknown. I think you would probably either say he's, he's a prospect that is not like on the team's top 30 or maybe one of the outfielders, one of the F troop that we're not necessarily considering right now. Like maybe it's Fairchild or Friedel that bumps up. Um, I don't necessarily know that we're going to have anybody surprise us if that makes sense. I think we're coming into the point of the Reds, hopefully flash rebuild, really quick rebuild, where we know who the big contributors are going to be, and the surprise will be when they don't pay off. I think that probably the biggest surprise out of anything, and we're setting this up this way, and I hope that we are both wrong in our expectations. We continue to say we hope we're both wrong, but I think the biggest surprise would be if Jose Barrero would be a big contributor on this lineup. That would be ours. I don't know. I don't know if it's unknown player, but I'm gonna say that uh, one of these young guys is gonna shock us that we don't think is quite ready, and is gonna suddenly be ready and be the man. And I think that's gonna be Matt McLean. I think that he's gonna. Uh-huh. I think that he's gonna have a, a great spring, great start of the season. I think he's gonna join the big league club, and I think he's gonna play outfield. That's my hot take of the younger unknown type players. That's what's gonna happen. Is, is that's my guess but also credit to the reds too for really putting the prospects in the spotlight like it's really hard mm-hmm. to talk about a specific prospect like definitely ellie de la cruz isn't going to come out of in nowhere because he has been you know hyped up and, and we have lifted him up and said this is the guy 
And even if you were to say Christian Encarnacion Strand, I think there's plenty of people that know, you know, CES people understand this dude's got power. So he's not going to surprise anybody when he comes up and he hits a bomb and maybe even, you know, smashes the window out of the tundra. So I, I think that there are, it, it's hard to say who the unknown would be. I think TJ Friedel was the closest to that last year, but even then you could kind of skew his numbers to say that he was just okay. He wasn't like amazing. Jeff, these next two comments kind of go hand in hand. So I'm going to do both comments and then we'll talk about it. So Lotems checks in with a reality check and says that Johnny Cueto can sign with a playoff contender. He's not coming to the Reds. And then the quirky picker Chad checks in and says, I know the Reds would want Johnny Cueto, but why would Johnny Cueto want the Reds? That's a fair point. Um, you know, when we talked about this, uh, was it yesterday or day before Jeff, you know, one of the things that I mentioned was that the Reds are usually really good about not leaking information. And so I don't think that Ken Rosenthal got his stuff by talking directly to the Reds front office about Johnny Cueto. I think that came from Johnny Cueto's representation. I think they're the ones that, that said the Reds. So probably what the truth of this is folks is that it's San Diego's deal to seal Miami's in the mix, probably upping the money a little bit. And the representation is also dropping the reds in the conversation just to motivate the other two. That is probably what's going on. But all of the, um, all of the points we're making about Johnny Cueto are valid from a Cincinnati red standpoint. You're absolutely right. Why would Johnny want to come here? It would be a nostalgia factor. It would be a coming home again. It would be bookending his career uh, to finish where he got big. And it would be, it would be a hat tip to the city. Him coming to Cincinnati would be nothing more than him showing love to the people and the fans of Cincinnati. Because as we hear time and time again, players that come to Cincinnati want to be in Cincinnati. They like it here. They like the atmosphere. They like the way they're treated by the fans in Cincinnati. And that matters. I think at the end of the day, when you've made as much money as Johnny Cueto has made, if it's a difference between a million here and a million there, and you can be happy and you can be in a place where people love you, maybe that wins. And I think that you're, you're dead on with what I would say is the reason why Johnny Cueto would want to come here. He would want to come here to retire a red. I don't think he's coming here with the idea that, yeah, if you get hot, we're going to trade you in July. He's coming here and he's signing a deal that says, this is it for me. This is my last spot on my career. The other part of this is Johnny does have a world series ring. Now that's not to say that any player is content with only getting one and he probably wants to get another one, but it's not to say that it's like a, you know, I must find myself a world series ring. He's got that for his career. So, I don't necessarily think the just absolute feral hunger for a ring that some players get later on in their career is there with Johnny and he's going to chase that at all costs. But I do kind of agree with uh, low temps that it's like, yeah, if he's going to compete somewhere, he's probably leaning toward that spot. And and we we said this yesterday when we talked about him listing the Reds as a finalist. I think if you're picking from those three teams, you're going to the Padres. And, and, you know, Jeff, I mean, we can relate this back to everyday real life, too. And I can, I, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I could go a lot of other places and make more money than I make in my everyday day gig. Uh, but I choose to make a little bit less 
and see the beach out that window over there. Be where you want, so, yeah, be where you, you want. You know, it's sometimes you just got to be where you're happy is what I'm yeah. saying. And and you and you make choices based on that. So, I mean, I could see it happening. I could I I could see it happening. This next one, listen, you know, Jeff and I try not to get into a lot of controversy on this show unless it forces its way in. And there is a topic that I have avoided and I've kind of just scrolled past in the comments, but let's do it today, Jeff, because I, I, I let's spend a little bit of time on it and then maybe not talk about it ever again. Dan Edwards checks in and asks if the Dodgers release Trevor Bauer, would the Reds go get him? Would they trade for him? Would they sign him? You know, as you all probably know, uh, the arbitrator ruled that uh, Trevor has served his time as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. Now, I'm not going to rehash the things that he is accused of and the accusations that were made against him. If you want to know about that, go Google it. Uh, go read up on it. I'm not talking about those shady details. I will say this. Trevor Bauer is eligible to pitch in the Major Leagues. I don't think the Reds would go anywhere near him with a 50-foot pull. I can't imagine why, given what we saw with the Cleveland Browns and the fallout from signing Deshaun Watson, why anybody would be willing to go out and take that on. It's a PR nightmare. And for a team that has suffered so many PR nightmares over the course of the last couple of years, I can't see the Reds doing anything that could even remotely come close to alienating the fan base the way that this signing would. There would be people that would be okay with this yeah. signing. And there would be, especially if he comes and pitches and, and pitches well. Uh, there would be people that would be okay with that. I'm not one of them. And I don't think that it's worth the drama, the PR hit, the controversy. And it just, it feels dirty. It feels dirty and I can't get on board with it. No, I'm on the same page. I, I think that Trevor Bauer is a memory for the Reds. His Cy Young uh, ward with the Reds will always be a memory that we have. And I think the Reds want to keep him a memory. I, I don't think we are going to see the Reds wade into those waters. I'm not sure who's going to wade into those waters. Um, it's just, that's a lot to deal with. And, and, and make no mistake about it. It's not a situation like if the Dodgers release him, somebody has got to go pay him $30 million. He's still going to get that money that he gets. I think, I think that they ruled, he still gets the money from that contract. So it's not as if he's going to have to get $30 million, but still like it, it would just be such a distraction for a team that is trying to grow a team that has a lot of young guys who are trying to figure out what their major league careers look like. And to bring that in, I, I don't think that would bring what whatever whatever you feel about the off-the-field story with Trevor Bauer, that brings in a huge distraction to Nick Lodolo, a huge distraction to Hunter Green, a huge distraction to, to every young player that is on this team, and, and the Reds aren't going to go anywhere near that. Okay, so we addressed that. We did it. There we go. There we are. We'll just... Post that clip somewhere so that we can just refer people to it because I don't want to talk about Trevor Bauer anymore. But I mean, it, it, we we had to at some point. So I appreciate the I appreciate the comment and the question, but I I just I can't see it happening. Here's one we haven't got into. Uh, Chad asks, "Will stolen bases become a thing for the Reds, and who will have the most?" This is great because, as you guys know, Major League Baseball has made some rule changes trying to create more of a running game. They are. Uh, going to crack down on the thing that drives me nuts which is the shimmy shake relief pitchers that start yep. and stop and and zig and zag and pirouette and jump up and down and touch their nose three times before they deliver a pitch that's going Mark away Lavenger. 
even though he's yes. not a relief pitcher, but Mike Clemens. But yeah, yeah. That they're, they're going <laughs> to crack down on that. They're going to actually start calling balks, and I'm glad because it drives me bonkers. I I, I watch games right now, and, and, and when they do occasionally call a balk, I'm like, well, that guy's been doing that for the last three innings. Why is it a balk now? But <laughs> right. I digress. Uh, the other thing that they're doing to help promote the running game is they're making the bases bigger. So you're going to take away a little bit of the deception that the pitchers have been using. You're going to make the bases a little bit closer together and challenge the catchers a little bit more. Uh, I think the stolen bases will be up. I think that that's going to maybe not make, we're not going to see a Ricky Henderson type uh, base stealing no. situation. We're not going to, we might not ever see that again, but we're not going to see that kind of thing. Nobody's going out and stealing 50 bases in a season, 60 bases in a season. Uh, there could be a guy that gets 20 or 30 on the reds, uh, depending on health and ability to get on base. You know, I think Nick Senzel will be a base stealer if he can be healthy and get on base. I think that uh, some of these young guys, as they come up, TJ Friedel is another guy that's fast. It could steal some bases when Ellie De La Cruz uh, makes the big leagues. I believe stolen bases will be part of his game as well. I've seen him do some things on the base paths in the minor leagues that are really impressive. He's very baseball smart. He knows how to get into the opponent's head. He knows how to put the, just the right amount of uh, trickery on his running. We've seen him turn triples into inside the park home runs doing that. So uh, I think those guys could be base dealers. I think 20 to 30 is probably a safe number to predict. Uh, do you think any other guys, big time base dealers from the, I mean, basically from what I, I think I could see India, especially a healthy India getting up there with some steals, not necessarily 20 or 30, but probably 10 or 15. Um, but I don't, I, I agree with you. The Ricky hinders, the days of touching that were with Billy Hamilton and that's it. Like there's nobody that could do that. And Billy Hamilton couldn't get on base enough to do that. So uh, there's got to be a perfect combination of on-base ability and speed. Ellie De La Cruz is going to be a type of dude that I think in a full year could get 40 to 50 steals. He's got that quick twitch first step. He's mm-hmm. got an amazing like speed, you know, first to second, second to third, something like that. But his stride length is also huge because he's tall. And so he's able to meld speed with just the ability to shorten the distance, shorten the 90 feet for himself. So I I think that he could be a huge base stealer and more than just the rule changes is having a guy that can do it. Like in years past, even when the Reds were good, who are you looking at that was going to steal bases? Like it was Nixon Zell and that was it. And just Nixon Zell just never got on base and he never got on the field. And it's so. It's unfortunate the timing because clearly if the timing had worked out differently, uh, former red Mike Moustakis would lead the team in stolen bases. I mean, clearly he would. Okay. No, not really. I smell sarcasm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, but Ellie De La Cruz is just going to go off on that. I can't wait to see it. Walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Jared on vinyl uh, says the Reds would move Barrero to the outfield before they would move Ellie to third base. I don't know. Uh, I mean, 
I might be kind of in on this know. because I was thinking this yesterday or two days ago when we were talking about the outfield. It was yesterday or two days ago. But whenever we were talking about moving guys to the outfield and we were talking about Barrero, I'm like, you know what? If he hits, would it be more beneficial to move him to center field where the Reds don't have a bona fide dude and put Elliott short and Jose Barrero at center field? I I try to visualize scenarios where Barrero is good enough to be in the lineup every day, so you want to find him a spot. Ellie comes up and takes over the shortstop position. That means that Barrero's good enough to be in the lineup, but not good enough to fight off Ellie at shortstop. So do you move Barrero to the outfield or do you move Barrero to third base? I think it all depends on if another prospect establishes himself in the outfield because it makes no sense to move Barrero to the outfield only to take it away from him again. Say Matt McClain comes up and takes that center field spot. Right. So I I think it's a, it really is like a chessboard right now. You have to be able to look two or three moves ahead. So Mm -hmm. somewhere within the organization, they're going to have to make some decisions this year. And I think they've kicked the can down the road for the last couple of seasons in making some of these decisions about where guys are going to play. I was happy to see them not wait very long on Noel V. Marte. I I thought that was smart to get that decision made early. And I think, Really, I think they just need to say what they're going to do with Matt McClain at this point. Someone needs to look in a camera and say, we're not moving him. He's going to be an infielder. He's going to be our whatever position. We're not moving him. Because I keep coming back to the fact that he's already an outfielder, and it would just make so much sense to make him be the guy that moves, and then you're not trying to teach yet another infielder to be an outfielder. The guy is already an outfielder. But if... Okay, so here's the other thing about that, though. They played Barrero in center field a couple years ago. So he's got major league experience in center field. So if he That's is so does Tyler hitting, Stevenson. I mean, are we going to call Tyler not Stevenson in center field? Fielder? He played left field. Well, but outfield. I mean, what qualifies <laughs> you totally. to be an Adam out, Dunn played left field. He ain't ever touching center field. No, no. Like, I, I think that if Barrero is hitting well enough that you keep him in the lineup when you bring up Ellie De La Cruz, there's an argument to be made to move him to center field do move Matt McClain to center field, spend some more time with him there in triple a and have Jose Barrero be your big league center fielder. So I I don't necessarily think that Matt McClain would keep Jose Barrero from moving to center field. In fact, you could still make the argument that does Barrero work out in center or does Barrero work out at the plate? And then he possibly works out in center field. Do you move Matt McClain to second and you move India to left? Like, Again, like you said, chessboard. There's going to be lots of which then would make Spencer steer either the third baseman or the super utility. Exactly. Okay. And you've got no Elvi Marte mean, in two years. I mean, it's third. it's fun. I this this you know a team that you know we're not counting on to to be above 500. These are the fun types of conversations yes. to to kind of speculate the chessboard and and see what we can figure out. Greg Hughes is here, Jeff. Greg Hughes thinks that Johnny Cueto would be a good move, and he also agrees that there'll be a surprise in spring and he thinks it will be Matt McClain. I agree. I think he's going to be on this Reds team this year. I really, really do. I wonder, and I don't necessarily know that he'll get a huge run like McClain or like Ellie De La Cruz or something like that. But I wonder if we see a big step up from Daniel Veo. 
Daniel Veohin has had a beautiful winter with the slugging percentage. He could be a surprise guy. I don't know that he'd be in the major leagues this year, but I think that he takes a step up in our all in, in Reds country's collective consciousness of understanding who's next at catcher. And and just as a reminder, you know, Veohin and Matt Nelson are the two guys of similar age that have kind of been battling out for who's going to establish themselves first as the next up and coming catcher. Uh, so far, neither one of them has really grabbed a whole lot of eye popping attention uh, in their moves through the majors or through the minor league system. Rather, you know, Jeff is on board for Veohin just because he likes saying the name. Uh, Matt Nelson had a, a little more success uh, in the lower levels, but uh, that's an interesting battle to watch because if ultimately we think Tyler Stevenson is not, a catcher for 10 years with the reds the next guy needs to kind of start showing who he's going to be here in the next season or so so those guys while not having a lot of pressure on them have a little bit of all right guys it's kind of time to show us something uh that's where they're at in their minor league careers right now anyway yeah and and neither one is close enough to the majors right now so i don't i don't necessarily think and i'm not saying that Veuheen will make the jump to the majors this season but i think that he is a guy in spring training that could impress us with how he plays ronnie snyder piggybacking on some of the things you were talking about uh i think spencer steer could be special at second base hmm possibly maybe but that I, would be I, the job I, that listen, gonna move. i think spencer listen I what I think is the biggest piece of value that Spencer Steer brings to the team uh, is that he plays the, pretty much the entire infield yes. pretty equally well. Uh, there's not a lot of drop off when you move him around. He said uh, on this very program, actually that was a lefty in the bullpen, but on the Locked On feed, he said you know he likes scooting around, he likes playing different positions. He, you know, he's not, you know, when I asked Matt McLean about, you know, what position do you play? He didn't let me finish asking the question before he said shortstop. shortstop. Whereas yeah. <laughs> Spencer Steer uh, likes moving around, likes being that super utility guy. Uh, I think that's the value he brings because if you've got a guy that likes to do it, is good at it, there's not defensive drop off when you do it and you can play him as a full-time player without really a starting position where he's still where you get that extra guy it just gives you so much flexibility and so much uh you know ability to keep your other guys rested and healthy uh, more so than his offensive production more so than whatever defensive metric you want to use with him that's his real impact on the team he's a guy that just makes everybody else on the team better by keeping them rested and healthy and and able to play every day and something that i keep thinking about because I was in this camp, and I know there were a number of uh, a number of Reds fans that were in this camp about Max Schrock and thinking that Max Schrock deserved an opportunity to play a little bit more, and he just kept getting hurt, and he just never had the chance to. But he had the ability to move around the diamond. Spencer Steer can do that, and Spencer Steer is better at hitting than Max Schrock is. So I think that he can be the guy, just replace Max Schrock in your minds with Spencer Steer, and he's going to be better than max schrock was and we're going to see just the 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 flexibility because they were moving him into like the corner outfield spots in triple a as well to try and get that under his belt and get him used to at least playing a little bit of left field so he could be super super valuable and i don't he is one guy that i don't want to necessarily you know 
pigeonhole into one spot. I agree. I think that's where we're both kind of saying that's what we think should happen with him. Uh, poofy haired fancy boy. A lot of talented gloves coming up who could play some second base. Yep. So. That's true. Poofy haired fancy boy is asking about Tom Browning. Are the Reds going to honor Tom Browning on opening day? I would imagine there's something on opening day. I think what the Reds do for Tom Browning is probably a season long. There'll be something on an outfield yeah. wall. Like There'll be a patch. Or something. Yeah. yeah. There'll be something. And, you know, I mean, there's, we're talking about the guy with the only perfect game in franchise history. They're going to do something. And there's currently a service being held. I know it's uh, like a visitation and a, and a celebration of life that's being held at Great American Ballpark today. And I think it's actually going on right now. I think that's either going on right now or starts at three. I saw an email about this, but um, they're, they're beginning that process. I think that, yeah, just like they did. Uh, with Joe Morgan and guys like that, I th- I think we're talking we're talking a season long thing and not necessarily just a one game type deal. I'm scrolling, Jeff. Sorry, uh, we're gonna go maybe, maybe the, five more minutes or so. Maybe the anniversary of his perfect game. They have like a special like on field thing for it. I, I could see that happening. Sorry, still scrolling. That's <laughs> no, uh, okay. Just squeeze yeah, a few on the, more on in the before note, we get out like, of here. Talking about the gloves and the talent coming up that can play second base. I mean, I, I don't think that if the Reds were to move Jonathan India, they're not creating a vacuum. They've got guys that can fill in there. They've got some dudes who can become oh, an, upgrade. an everyday second base. Yeah. They, uh, it's, it's a I defensive mean, especially, upgrade. Especially you're talking about like shortstop listed prospects, maybe Matt McClain, but even, and this is still a couple of years away, but maybe you're talking about Edwin Arroyo or, or maybe even Jose Torres Arroyo is better than Torres, but both of those guys could be good second baseman for the Reds in the future. Torres might be a little bit too light hitting, but this Arroyo is interesting. Let's, let's, perfect. let's kind of, let's, let's go down this rabbit hole to wrap things up. Charlie white wants to know if you were to move the players of the big red machine around like guys move around today, would they have been the big red machine? Well, they did. They did move Pete guys Rose. around and yeah. play different positions. Pete Rose was an all-star at like four different positions. He did. There was flexibility with that team. Johnny bench moved eventually from catcher and played some third base because of the legs. You know, this is, this is, this is not, we are not reinventing the wheel by saying that we want the team to create positional flexibility. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is a, this is great pointing at the big red machine because they may have been, uh, they were an innovator on a lot of things. You know, uh, Dave Concepcion invented the way that you play shortstop on AstroTurf. Basically, uh, the Reds moved guys around to meet the organizational team needs versus, you know, what a guy might have wanted to do. That's how Pete Rose ended up playing third base because somebody had to do it and they figured, hey, you can do it. And he did it. This is this is not this is not reinventing the wheel. And I think that at the end of the day, these are athletes that have you know, the talent to play at certain positions, maybe some better than other positions, but you put them in positions where they're not going to hurt you. And the offense is the offense. And I don't subscribe to this theory that by moving a guy, he suddenly can't hit, uh, not in this day and age of baseball for sure. I, I also think, and and somebody's going to remember the stat. I don't remember the stat, but there was a, one of those, like, you know, remember this and you'll just wow your your buddies with this stat is that the percentage of time that the great eight actually played all together in the same lineup was something like less than 30%, I think, of the time. 
And it's just the way baseball is. Like you talk about the great eight, you talk about having a static eight player team that just you know eight player in the field you know with your pitcher out there and of course now with the dh you've, you've got your nine player lineup that just doesn't happen and, and and even when you're talking about this scenario on the flip side there is never going to be another big red machine it will never happen the yankees have yet to recreate murderer's row it's just not going to happen when you have that team you celebrate that team for what it is and don't ever expect it to happen again the reds will one day achieve success i firmly believe that it's not going to be by having a team that we can compare to that team that team is just so far and above what any other team could possibly be and there's a reason that every single baseball fan that knows their history compares the big red machine to the murderer's row because those are the two best teams that ever played this game So for us to sit here and say, well, how are the Reds ever going to live up to the, they're not, but they're going to be successful in a different way. And that'll be celebrated whenever that happens. Yeah. I I think a lot of people have the the idea that Sparky made a lineup and made 162 Xerox copies of it. And that's, that's what (laughs) happened. And that's, that's not the case. And listen, I'm not taking away anything from Sparky Anderson because to manage, to manage all of those egos, the way that he did, uh, was an impressive feat of of managing, and uh, you know Charlie. Back in the comments, I see you with the, they moved him around in their later years. Some of the guys, Johnny Bench moved later. It was later after he caught. Uh, I that's why I'm kind of being a little proactive on let's get Tyler Stevenson some flexibility now so that he's not broken down when he gets there. Uh, I think that uh, moving guys around just makes the team better uh I, I just i don't see a downside to it i really i really just don't but that's probably a great spot to to put a pin in this episode jeff uh we've gone almost an hour and a half now these we keep this this is great i i just want to say to all you folks still in the comments still watching live right now i love these shows you guys make it so great you never disappoint me the comments are always great the questions are always great uh you challenge us you 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 help us uh keep things going and be funny and i I just love it love having you guys here love these lives uh i'm gonna keep doing them gonna keep uh, growing them out a little bit Uh, jeff and i are coming up with some plans to incorporate them into the regular season that we think you all will like as well um And if you have thoughts on things you'd like to see from Jeff and I, get them in the comments, hit us up on Twitter, let us know. Uh, We're always looking to evolve the show in the direction that you guys want it to go. And uh, we're having a blast while we're doing it. So we appreciate you all. And with that being said, Jeffrey, uh, go ahead and wrap us up. Thank you, everybody, for joining into the comments section and giving us your comments, your questions, your thoughts, everything about the Cincinnati Reds. We look forward to seeing you next week right here on the Aloha Live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. It's 1.30 p.m. next Friday afternoon. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds probably one of your first listens. Being 1.30 in the afternoon, maybe not your first listen, but thanks for listening and watching to us anyway. And make sure you check out the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast as Lindsey Crosby He's got you ready on everything, all the future studs that are going to be coming up through everybody's farm system, not just the Reds. But he does talk about the Reds a fair amount. That's Locked On MOB Prospects, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available 
on all platforms. And as we go through the off season, there's going to be rumors. There's going to be news. There's going to be trades. There's going to be signings and all this different stuff. And we are going to be ready to tell you about how it impacts the Cincinnati Reds. Why Steve? Because we're going to keep everybody locked on Reds every single day. Walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.